All right, City Point, I'm glad to be here. How about you? Give me some love. Come on. Hey, my name is Tony, and I am fired up that you're with us today. Let's welcome everybody else who's going to be watching in later on this week online. We're fired up that you're here with us, too. Hey, we are in the middle of a series that we're calling Stronger, week two of this bad boy. And really, the heartbeat behind this is we believe that we have to get stronger in 2017 in a variety of really significant areas in our lives, because if we don't, if we don't, if we don't get stronger in some significant areas in our lives this year, we think that we'll kick ourselves come December, you know, later on this year. And we just kick ourselves if some areas of ours just don't develop and don't get stronger. And so last week we launched the series really kind of identifying one area that we think would help us all get stronger. We drew out a chart to help us do it. We said all of us have, uh, this time of year, make these things called resolutions. And, and it means that we're sick of being where we're at right here. And we want to move to a space that we call just there. It's just whatever area in your life that you're just kind of like, no, I, I got to move. I got to get stronger. And what do you need to make the move from here to there? And we just said, we think it's good old-fashioned courage. We said, man, we got to have some courage in our lives to move us from one spot to another. Because if we don't, if we don't, our families will suffer. Our marriages will suffer. Our incomes and our finances suffer if we don't have the courage to move. And so last week, we just spent the whole Sunday going, what would it look like if you took a step of faith and you stepped in on whatever area you need to, and you might just see God show up? And we just looked at these stories of Moses and Joshua stepping in, going, God, we're going to need you to show up. And as they stepped in with courage, God shows up with power along the way. He shows up every time. And I hope you got to live that out this last week. I hope you saw some moments in your life where you said, I got to have some courage. And as you stepped in, I really believe as you do that, you start to grow in your faith. You grow spiritually as you do. And you develop this courage stuff in your life. Now, before we dive into the message today, I want to just kind of position a quick conversation for those of us uh, in the room who call City Point Church our church. If, you, if you're here maybe for the first, second, you know, third, fourth, or fifth time, and you're going, I'm just checking things out, maybe uh, you can take a time out on this, or you can lean in and go, what are the things that they hold uh, to that are just strong values around this place? We have two values that I want to highlight today. One is save people, serve people. This is our serving value. This is the value that says, hey, if you've been around here for any length of time, we think that there's a spot on the bus for you to get involved in serving. Right now, maybe some of you are in the room and you go, yeah, I've been here for, for a long time. And I love this place. I love coming. I love inviting. I love participating in. But for a while, you've been here. And here for you could be defined as a spot where you just come on a Sunday. We, again, we appreciate that. We love that. We encourage you to keep doing that. But maybe there for you is saying, you know what? I want to get more involved. And one of the quickest ways to get involved at City Point Church is to say, you know what? I'm going to start serving. We have a handful of different ways that you can do that. Uh, we have a group of guys and, and girls who show up in the morning on Sunday mornings to help set up the church. I mean, we set up the whole school and we turn it into what it is and then we tear it back down. There's a teardown crew. We have kids' rooms that are just the absolute best of the best. We have the best leaders in there. And so maybe you love kids and, and you really enjoy kind of shaping the next generation. And we want to have a conversation with you about what it might look like for you to serve, move from here to there in this area of kids ministry and helping us make Kids Point the best hour of every kid's week. And we have a handful of different ways you can partner during the week serving. And I just think if you were to take a step of faith and go, you know what, I want to, 
I want to have some courage in this area of serving. We just think it'd be better off. Now, the second area, the second value that I want to look at is this value you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. This is our giving value. And unapologetically, this is the value that we think holds a lot of people back when it comes to their spiritual life. This is this value that goes, you know, I, I'm not sure I want to let go of any of my money. I'm not sure I want to be a giver. And right now, I just want to just kind of level the playing field. We think as we're moving into 2017, we have some enormous goals. We have some goals to reach more people in Washington County, to see more and more people find a church that they love coming to. That there's great music, great teaching, amazing kids' environments that present Jesus on their kids' level. And we know that if we want to continue to do that at an excellent level, it's going to take some resources to come with it. Now, we know this throughout the pages of Scripture, that one of the very things that holds people back in their spiritual life is their money. And so I just thought maybe today I'd position serving, maybe you could get stronger and courage when it comes to this serving value, and then maybe there's different pockets of us that will get stronger when it comes to giving today. Move from a spot called here to a spot called there. Now, I think there's three different groups of us that maybe are represented here. Three different groups. Real quick, I think there might be a group of us that come here, and you go, you know what, I love being a part of this church. I love... I love the music. I, I love the different things that we do. I love the groups that we offer. I, I mean, I just love the different environments. I love the heartbeat to reach the lost and, and just go after it. Um, but maybe you've never given. Maybe this hasn't been a practice that you've done. You haven't given at all. And I would just encourage you, if that's you and that's you right there, there's no shame on this one. No shame at all that you would maybe consider making a move to there and there for you could potentially be just giving something. Just, just exercising this giving muscle a little bit and just going, you know what, I think I'm going to just start somewhere. Just, you know, just try it. Just start giving and see what happens. And then there's another group. There's another group of us that have been giving something. And again, that's great. And can I just say thank you? You really do help make what we do possible. Literally, without you doing what you do, we couldn't exist. There needs to be some horsepower behind what we do, and, and that is just such a great engine behind it. And, and maybe some of you have been coming, and you give, and we'll just call it give casually. You, you give casually, and it's just, it's just a great exercise. And I would just encourage some of you that do that to make a move from here to a move called there, and maybe for you it's going, I want to give percentagely. And you're going to take a look at your finances. You're going to go, hey, what's a percentage of my income that I could start giving? We read the pages of Scripture and we go, God says 10% is a great starting block. And I understand, maybe for you, you go, me stepping out in courage would be 3 or 2 or maybe 5 or 7%. I just go, I could care less. I just would love to see some of us develop the courage in this giving capacity to move from here to there. Personal story on this one. Carrie and I, this last calendar year, uh, in our finances, we gave 10% of our, of our uh, earnings uh, back to the church, back to God. And through some conversation, uh, we've just kind of said to each other, we think we need to up that, and this year we're going to give another percent. Now, some of you guys will go, well, that's nothing. But to us, it is. That's a big, it's a big step to move from 10 to 11. But that's just something that we felt called to do. That was our here to there move. Now, there's a whole other group of you that have been giving and you give graciously already. 
And can I, again, I'll just say thank you. I mean, things that you're able to see happen, the stories that we're able to tell is just incredible. You're here is, is great. And I'd say way to go, but I just wonder if you have the gift of giving, the spiritual gift of giving, if you might consider moving to there, which I would just call irrational generosity, where people would almost just scratch their head and go, seriously, you give that much? Seriously, you just have that much of a heartbeat? to give back to God, to fund the, the vision and the ministry that this church wants to see happen. And I just know some of you have the capacity to do that. And I just wanted to position all of us with two steps, two courage steps this morning. The step of serving, you can mark on the back of your uh, connector card if you're interested in doing that. Again, I just think that'd be the best thing for you. And then for those of you, maybe you felt stalled out in your faith walk, in your steps with God, he might just be asking you to move from here to a spot called there. It's on you to figure out. On this area of you can't outgive God. And if you're interested in doing that, you can give in the blue and white joy boxes as you go, or you can go online at our website, www.citypoint.cc. It's so easy uh, to do that. But um, hey, enough of that, enough of that. The guy who gave uh, this, this uh, diagram, this illustration here to there, his name is Bill Hybels. He's a pastor in Chicago. He's got a great church there called Willow Creek Community Church. He's just a leader of leaders. Every year he hosts this thing called the Global Leadership Summit. And I'm telling you what, this thing rocks my world every time I go. I mean, it's just two days full of blitzing everybody in this room. It's hundreds of thousands of leaders that go, church leaders, marketplace leaders, doesn't matter. They go and they just get a fire hose of leadership teaching. It just is so good. It propels everything that we do around here. Just so you know, I go in August every single year. This will be on my calendar from this time until I die, hopefully. It's just that good. Now, he not only kind of gave us this great nugget, this here to there diagram, which some of you are like, it's really not even that good, don't. It's just circles with an arrow. It's really good to me. And, but he, he also described this idea of what do you look for when you're hiring? He said, maybe some of you are, are in the season where you're looking to add more staff. He said, let me just kind of give you the four C's of hiring, four C's of bringing on the right people onto your team. Now, you might be going, where does this connect? It'll connect in a second. Uh, the bottom tier C was this, was this uh, value of chemistry. It's chemistry. And they said, man, you got to have somebody that you actually enjoy being around. This, you have great chemistry with each other. Like, you wouldn't really fit in with me if you're not rooting for the Cowboys to kick the snot out of the Packers later today. I mean, good chemistry. Yeah, all right, I got a couple. But look, chemistry really matters. I mean, if you want to hang out with somebody, that's somebody that you want to bring on the team. Chemistry really matters. Another C, maybe the third one, is culture. Do they fit your culture? I mean, do they, do they buy into what you buy into? Do they, do they fit the ethos of your organization? Are they really kind of the same culture as you are? Do they, chemistry and culture, same type of thing. The third one, the, 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 maybe the second one would be their, um, let me just review my notes real quick. You're like, okay, competency. That was a long one, that's why I needed to check. Competency. Going, hey, if you bring on somebody on your team and they're just not competent, you got desperate and you added somebody who didn't really bring the skills and the, and the talent that they need to help move the organization forward, it's not worth it. So you got chemistry and you got um, culture and you got competency. And then he said, hey, now lean in. Because the absolute most important one is the one that is just non-negotiable. 
around his team, and he would just say among leaders across the world, what you have to look for and when you're bringing on people to enhance the vision, the mission that you have for an organization is this C called character. Character. And I think all of us in the room, we wrote that down, like, character, really? That's, really? That's the top one? He's like, absolutely, character. He says, you can have an intelligent person who gets everything moving forward. I mean, the smart is just the whip. And, and you can have people who fit your organization culturally and maybe even have the right chemistry. They can joke and they can laugh around. And they root for Dax to beat Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, it's just so good. But if they lack character, they can derail the whole organization. I mean, the integrity of somebody's life really, really matters. Who they are really matters. Who they are when nobody's watching really matters. Here's a definition that we'll use for character. Character is who you are when nobody else is around. Character. It's just who you are when nobody else is around. So today we gotta get stronger. If you're looking to fill in your note, we gotta get stronger in this word called character. Now, I can remember uh, 11 years ago, 11 years ago, uh, making a phone call to, uh, at the time, my potential father-in-law to be. Calling him up, I was in Waterloo at the time, he was in the Quad Cities, and I made a phone call going, hey Doug, his, his name was Doug, I said, hey, could you find time in your calendar in the next week or so to meet with me one-on-one? I got a question I wanna ask you. Now, he was, a, he was a really intelligent guy, he knew obviously I was coming to talk to him about marrying his daughter. So he says, yeah, I can make time for that, where do you wanna meet? And I just, I was like, how about, how about the Barnes and Nobles at the North Park Mall in the Quad Cities? He says, done, I'll be there. Now I show up like any smart guy would do, like a few minutes early, buy two cups of coffee, have it waiting for him, but out of my peripheral, I see Carrie's dad walking in. Now, he's not like a giant guy, he's probably like 5'10", you know, a buck 50 or 60, you know? But that moment, he looked like he was a 6'8", 300-pound gorilla. You know, like this guy comes storming in the door. Did I tell you he's an attorney? So I'm like, oh, jeez, you know, gulp, you know. See him coming up, and I notice that he's holding on to something. He's only holding on to a yellow uh, legal pad, and as he sits down and goes, how you doing? Uh, we shoot the breeze for a few minutes, and I'm looking across the table like, seriously? That's a lot of sentences, you know, with question marks. And he goes, yeah, I got to... I'm assuming, he can, I assume you're asking me for, you know, my blessing uh, for you to marry Carrie. So I got a few questions for you. And as he thumbs through three or four pages of single space handwritten questions that I answered for the next hour and a half, you want to know what he was trying to find out? If I was a person of strong character. It was a no-brainer. He could care less but a lot of other things. But he had to, and he was determined to. I mean, I was sweating in places I didn't know I could sweat by the time I was done with this thing. But his goal was to figure out if this 20-year-old moron was a man of character and could have a flying chance at leading a home. I'll never forget that day. I know how important it is to be strong in character. I mean, that decision that day to be a man of high character is the same sort of decision that I make day in and day out now determined to get stronger in character. Why now? It's because I'm still married to the girl of my dreams. I got four children that look up to their dad and they need a dad. She needs a husband of strong character. We have a church 
that if I were to fudge on my integrity, my morals, my faith, you'd go, what's the point? Now the same is true for you. Each and every one of us, whether we're married, dating, have kids, or don't, we're involved in the community, and the community at large needs people that are strong in character. I tell you what, who you are when nobody else is around shows a whole lot of it. And so we gotta get stronger in our character. We have to. Now, when I think of somebody who was incredibly strong in their character, I'm reminded of this guy named Daniel and his three friends in the Bible. Their friends' names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's a whole book called Daniel in the Bible. And the story is really of this group of Jewish boys and this nation, this Israel, being captured and be taken over by this king named King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And what he does, instead of just wiping everybody else out, he gathers his leaders to go and and grab the smartest, strongest Jewish guys of their nation and brings them in to serve him in his royal court. Right there in the scripture. Daniel and his three buddies are selected, and he brings them in and starts teaching them the ways of Babylon, teaching them the ways of his nation. He wants them to really kind of be morphed into his own servants. Now, here's what happens in their story. In Daniel chapter three, the king kind of goes AWOL, builds a 90-foot statue that he makes a decree that everyone has to bow down and worship or die. What he's saying is this. I want everybody to renounce their faith. I want everyone to renounce their God. I want everybody to get rid of any character that they thought they'd hold on to and submit it to me. Here's literally what the decree sounded like in Daniel chapter three, verses five and six. It says, when you hear the sound of the horn and the other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey, here's the consequence, will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Anyone who chooses not to stand up will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Quick time out. Any of you ever feel the pressure to give in on your character? Any of you ever feel this weight where you go, boy, I have a decision to make. I can either stand strong in my character or I'm in a face maybe being passed over, looked over. I don't get the benefit, the promotion. So I, maybe I'll fudge a little bit on my character. Friends, I think a lot of people face this day in and day out. I remember in high school, after I had stepped over the faith line, uh, getting a job working for Quiznos Subs. Remember Quiznos Subs? Mmm, toasty. Remember that? You remember Quiznos? Yeah, nobody does, because I feel like it lasted popular for like two weeks when I worked there. Anyways, that job came into place in Waterloo, and I took a job there as as a toaster, you know, as toasting the subs. And I remember the first few days on the job, My employees or the other people that were working with me were trying to feel me out. I mean, I was a brand new Christian, okay? And I show up to this place, and one of the first questions they asked me was, hey, are you a virgin? I'm like, who asked that? You know, like, nice to meet you too. And they're like, hey, and by the chance, do you want to smoke pot with us on break? Literally the first two sentences that they asked me on my first day is, hey, you you want to get down or do you want to smoke a little pot? And I'm like, what is this? Anyways, I come to find out that every time they would go on break, they would ask me, hey, you wanna come smoke pot with us? And it just quickly became this thing that I was known as somebody who wasn't gonna fudge in on some morals and some values in my life. I decided that I couldn't. And you wanna know what that meant? I was no longer invited. 
I, I didn't get invited to their parties. I didn't get invited um, much after a couple weeks of smoking pot on break. I was just the guy who was like, crap, these guys are going to come back high and it's just going to be awkward. I'm going to have to do more work. But something happened. I learned in that moment that if you choose to stand strong in your character, more than likely you might miss out. You might be looked over. You might not be as cool. But this is exactly what Daniel and his three friends faced. Uh, Side note, actually, Daniel was excused. He was set aside from this. He doesn't really tell where he's at in the story. But his three friends were very exposed to this thing. It goes on to say this, that uh, the, the... The horns blow, and and this happens, and everybody bows down, except for these three guys. Word quickly travels to the king, and the king literal's response is this in verse 13. It says this, then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, flew into a rage. He ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. He goes, flying off. What do you mean you're not going to bow down and worship my statue? What do you mean you're going to hold strong to your character? So he brings them in, starts interrogating them, says, hey, are you sure? I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down. But he wants to remind them in verse 15. He says, but if you refuse, I'm just going to remind you, you're going to be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God, just attacking their character, then what God We'll be able to rescue you from my power. Friends, I wonder if some of us know very well what it's like to to battle this word, fear, in our lives. When it comes to character, we have to decide which one's gonna win. Is my character gonna stand strong? Or is fear going to come in and overtake me? These guys had a a clear decision to make. I mean, it was pretty significant. Fear of death or fear of a damaged character. We're going to find out later in the scripture that they chose character. They said, man, we got to hold strong to our character. We have to. We're men of integrity, men of high morals, high values. And so I just wonder if you're in the room right now and you can relate. When it comes to character testing in your life, do you hold strong to it or do you slip into fear? And go, boy, I'll just let my character fudge a little bit so I fit in at the office party. I'll let my character budge a little bit so I'm still included, not looked over. I'll let my character fudge just a little bit so my boss thinks I'm funny when I laugh at his jokes. Character matters. Listen to how they actually respond. It says this in verses 16 and 17. He says, we don't need to defend ourselves to you, king. We don't need to do that. We don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. They were so convinced that they were going to go with their character. They were so convinced that their God who loved them was able to show up. But, But listen to how it goes on. It says this in verse 18, but even if he doesn't, just so you know, even if he doesn't show up, we want to make this real clear to you. We want to make a line in the same. We want to make it real clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. They wanted to make it really clear. You can try and intimidate us, 
You can try and cause my character to be flawed, but I am so committed in character, so strong in this, that I'm going with God, and I believe he's able to show up, but even if he isn't. A furnace, that's not gonna, I have way too much integrity, way too much morals, way too much value in my life to give in. So I'm not gonna throw in the towel here. Again, I wonder if some of you know what it's like to face the fear of being looked over, passed over, maybe ridiculed for your faith, I think teenagers today, just so you know, side note on this, I think teenagers today face this more than anybody else. I mean, it makes me, I mean, my whole weekend, my brain was just running at how we have to start a student ministry. We gotta get some horsepower around this thing, moving it forward, and it's gonna take staffing, and it's gonna take volunteers, it's gonna take finances, but we have to, why? Because remember what it's like to be in junior high and high school? Do you remember what it's like to be faced with this fear or character tension in your life where maybe you were a daughter or a young girl and you go, man, I have to choose. Am I gonna give in to a boyfriend or am I gonna hold strong in my character? Or maybe you're a young, young man and you remember, hey, am I, gonna, you know, am I gonna say no to the drink or am I gonna hold you know, strong in my character? Am I gonna give in and, and let the temptations overtake me because I don't wanna be left out, overlooked, penalized because I didn't participate in. I think teenagers more than anyone are bombarded with this fear over character. Which one are they gonna choose? And I just know for us, we get the same thing. But it just makes me think of Daniel and his three friends. They were teenagers, young 20s at their time, and they were faced with these big character tests. And I wonder how many of you feel the same Wait, the story goes on that they actually get thrown into the furnace. They get thrown in. But here's what happens, and the scripture describes Nebuchadnezzar being able to see and watch them in the fire as they get thrown in, but he sees a miracle happen. God protects them from the blazing flames, and they go unharmed. And as Nebuchadnezzar watches this miracle, God show up in their lives, something clicks in his brain, in his heart, in his soul, and he pulls them out, and he just celebrates him. He goes, oh man, God must be with you. Your God is able to save, and he actually makes a turn in his faith, submits himself to God, and he promotes the three guys to a higher level in his serving courts. I mean, because of their character, because they didn't give in, God was able to miraculously change a guy's heart to elevate them to a better status, all because they held strong in character. I wonder how many of you today are here, and you need to do the same thing. You need to have the faith that God can show up and he can move, and he can impact other people's lives when you hold strong in character, it reminds me of maybe one of my favorite core values here at City Point Church is found people, find people. Found people, find people. It's this value that if you've stepped over the faith line, if you have received the love and the grace and the, the, the generosity that God has for your own life, that there's something that happens within you where you go, I gotta invite my neighbor. I gotta invite the lady at the, at the checkout. I gotta make sure that the, the man that I cross paths with during the week knows that he's invited. Found people, find people. It's this heartbeat to reach out and to go more. But here's what I love about the story. People of strong character like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they held strong, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to follow. 
And I just wonder how many of us, that's a gut check. Where we're going, as we want to reach out and love on more people in our county, we need us to have strong character so that when we reach out, people go, that's exactly right. I would love to be a part of an organization like that. Now, here's what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. I mean, for heaven's sakes, you know that I've aired so many ridiculous stories that I've done. We have a God who I really think bleeds this idea. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you. You're welcome here. But it still doesn't negate the fact that people of strong character attract others. And when others see your character, they wonder, why you? What's different about you? And when we can point them to the Christ inside of us, to what God's doing, I'm telling you what, I think found people start to find people. Now, how do you grow character? How do you do this? I mean, how do you get strength and how do you strengthen your character muscles? If you're taking notes, you have to write this down for yourself. But the first way that I think you can strengthen your character is predecide before the testing comes. Predecide before the testing actually comes. Over in chapter one of Daniel, we were looking at chapter three. Over in chapter one in Daniel, you have Daniel and his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Again, they faced a testing. But this time, we learned that they had already predecided ahead of time that they were going to stand strong in their courage. Here's exactly what the verse says in chapter 1, verse 8. It says, Daniel had made up his mind not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. The king, when he had brought them to Babylon, when he had brought them underneath his rule, he had said, you know what, I want you to eat and drink and do the things that we do here. And these guys had already predecided what they were going to do. I wonder how many of you are here today and you need to pre-decide what type of character you're gonna have. Because a bad time to start deciding what type of character you're having is when you're sipping buds watching the Cowboys win. I mean, that's not the best time to decide your character. Deciding your character happens in moments like these or moments when you're with an open Bible and a pen and you're going, God, what type of character do you want me to have? Predeciding. I think there's a few areas that you have to consider. You have to consider because the fear of giving in, lowering your standards, will be there in areas of like money. I mean, I know for a fact that I'm not going to go home today, surf Craigslist, and buy a $15,000 boat. Why? Because I've predecided that I'm not going to spend money that way. It's just something that I don't have to be tempted about it. I don't have to worry about it. Carrie doesn't have to wonder if she's going to see that come across our visa statement. I've predecided. Now, for some of you, you could probably just do that. Knock that out. Way to go. Invite me. Okay? But that's not how I'm going to do it. I've predecided. There's other areas like purity. You've got to predecide what you're going to do. Predecide on things like fitness, alcohol, and anger. And on and on, you could choose. There's some areas in my own life that I'll share with you that I made after I accepted Christ, 16 or 17 years old. I'm just a kid. And I decided a few areas, predecided that fear wasn't going to damage the character and the integrity of me. I had already decided this is who I was going to be. Areas like this, I was going to go to church. I know it doesn't seem like a big one to you, but I didn't wonder what Sunday morning or Saturday night looked like. For me, I predecided. This is going to be a value that I hold in my life. It's just going to be what I do. Predecided. Uh, I, I had a predecided value that I was going to spend time with God 15 minutes a day. Since I was 16 or 17 years old. Have I been perfect at it? Absolutely not. 
but I've done my best to hold strong to that value in my life. Uh, here's, here's a biggie. I predecided that I wasn't going to have sex out of my marriage. I don't have to be tempted. You don't have to wonder. I predecided. It's a predecided choice. And so I was kidding around with somebody on the setup team. So when I'm walking the halls of the mall and some, you know, some you know, lady comes up and tries to woo me away, he's like, that would never happen to you. <laughs> I'm like, you're probably right. But I've already predecided. I've predecided to give them the bird, you know, the, the ring bird. You know, I'm, I'm taken, baby. I've predecided. Here's a big one for me. I predecided that I wasn't going to yell at my spouse. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to yell at Carrie. She's not going to hear me yell and scream or throw things at our girls. It's just who I was. I remember being 16 or 17 years old, looking at my character and going, what type of man do I want to be? Decided it when I was a teenager. What areas in your life do you need to predecide? You just predecide. It's off the docket. I can't let fear, I can't let my emotions, I can't let the potential of me losing popularity or being passed over or being penalized. I just have to be this. Why? Because people need people of strong character. I have to be, and God wants it for my life too. What areas in your life do you need to predecide? I think it'll strengthen your character if you start doing that. The second way to build character, friends, is to pass the small tests. Pass the small ones. The other day I was up at Target in Iowa City uh, hanging out with my girls and Carrie was off with a couple other and we have to divide and conquer. Four is tough. And so I got, I got Kara. I think she had three. That's most of the time how that works for us. But I have Kara with me and, and I was walking down kind of the baby aisle. We had to get diapers and, and I saw a hundred bucks on the ground. hundred bucks? Somebody was out a hundo. And so what do I do? I picked that sucker up and I pocketed it, baby. And I was like, man, a hundred bucks. I can buy three things of diapers with that. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. He didn't even laugh. But like, I saw the hundred bucks, picked it up. Kara's looking at me. And it was a small test. To be quite honest, it was a small test. Going, what am I going to do? I haven't seen a hundred dollar bill for a while, man. That's some serious dough. And then I saw some teenage goofball who's wearing a red shirt and khaki pants come walking by. I was like, crap, I got to give it to him? But I tapped him on the shoulder, say, here you go. Found this on the floor. Maybe somebody's looking for it. Might not be a big deal for you. That was a small test for me. It was a small test. I know if I can pass some small tests, it'll build some character muscles for the bigger ones. For you, it might be different, but I'm telling you what, what are the small tests that you've got to pass so they can prepare you for the bigger ones? It might be, you know what, I'm not going to look at the computer tonight. After my spouse goes to bed, I'm shutting it down. I got to pass the small test. For others of you, you're going to say, hey, when I show up to work, I'm going to be a man of integrity. I'm going to pass the small test. I'm not going to degrade my spouse. It's a small test. It might be big for you. It might be hard, but you're going to pass some small tests and you're going to build muscles for the bigger ones. The third way to grow in character, friends, is to trust in the God factor. Trust in the God factor. There's a God factor at play in our lives. I love what Daniel 3.17 says. It says, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we're serving is able to save us. And he can rescue us from your power. 
So there's not a chance we're going to give in. We're holding strong to our character. Why? Because we trust that there's a God factor at play in our lives. Trust in the God factor. I wonder how many of you have stalled out in your spiritual lives because you've started to just kind of wander away from this God factor that if you step in, he can show up. If you take a step of faith, then he can do what he can do. I'm telling you what, there's a God factor at play when it comes to our character. A God factor at play that he can show up, he can do things. Can I remind you how their story ended? Nebuchadnezzar changed his life At the end of Daniel chapter three, he he starts to fear God and starts to follow God. These three guys get promoted to another level. There is a God factor at play in their life. Is that always gonna happen? No. But there's a God factor at play when you hold on to your character, your morals, your integrity, those things are kept in place and that's a great thing. Now I wonder for some of you if you're going like, how do you even do that? How do you even start doing that? Well, in Romans chapter 12, verse two, I think it gives us a great indicator of this. It says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. From somebody of fear to somebody of character, we're gonna let God transform us into somebody of low character, into somebody of great character. But how are you gonna do that? You're gonna change the way you think. You're gonna change the way you think. You're gonna pre-decide and start passing some small tests. Then you'll learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Friends, there's an NFL athlete named Brady James. He just retired a couple years ago. Ironically, he played for the Dallas Cowboys and was a stud, okay? I don't know how that fit in today or not. But Brady James accepted Christ, and he felt the weight of his new walk with Christ in the locker room almost every day. His character was tested almost every day. Go ahead and check this video out and we'll wrap things up as a close. You know, living a life of, of second is, I wouldn't say it's frustrating, but you lose some friends. You lose some people that before you could hang out with and people start noticing that you're not doing what you used to do. Playing football, everything is all about who becomes the champion. In my game, sometimes it's all about who has the biggest ego, who has the biggest car or the house and this and that. I was living a worldly life. I was living for myself, doing the big eye. Why do I play the game of football? You have to be passionate about when you play and you have to put everything you can in it. But was I playing for the right reasons? Was I playing for myself? Was I playing to get the big house, get the big car? God has given me all this talent. What was I playing for? Start figuring out that I was only facing what other men have met. I started back really going to church. I started really trying to understand where my faith lied. I picked up the Bible and I started reading. It was Romans 12 too, I'll never forget it. That verse said, do not conform to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. For some reason, something clicked. 
I have to renew my mind. If I renew my mind, then my actions will, will definitely follow. God has given me this talent, and if I do my best, and if he receives all the glory, then that's really what it's about. Yeah, I've had a lot of guys ask me what's going on with me. I like it when they ask me that because it's my chance to, like, disciple or tell them the good news. I give them food for thought and then help bring them back to their spirituality. I live my life uh, for God's approval, trying to live up to somebody else's expectations. I'll never get there. We all have a story and we all have a platform. And it's funny how uh, God can take what we think is a mess and turn it into a message. The reason why I play, finally, that I really know, no matter what I go through, no matter if we lose, win, I'm playing for a bigger audience, a bigger purpose. It's all about him. My name is Brady James, and I am second. Isn't that great? I think we're all on the same page now. We're all rooting for the Cowboys, aren't we, after that? That's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. Again, I mean, I think I've got like five more people rooting for them, boys, today. Hey, the truth is, this character stuff really matters. I have a final thought that I want to share with you. Character is a lot of work on the front end. I'm just going to be honest. It's a lot of work on the front end. But it's way more work if you don't on the back end. Character, it's a ton of work. I mean, it just is. You're going to have to dig deep and you're going to spend some time asking God and you're talking to your wife or your husband or your kids even going, hey, what type of man or woman, young adult, do I need to be? It's, it's going to take some work. You're going to have to change the way you think on some areas to get rid of this fear stuff and be courageous sometimes. It's a lot of work on the front end. But what I've seen time and time again if you don't do the work on the front end, boy, the work on the back end is so much worse. Life that's led by a lack of character. It's not worth it. So I wonder how many of you today are gonna pre-decide, you're gonna pre-decide what type of character you're gonna have. You're gonna pre-decide before the testing comes. You're gonna pre-decide in these moments what type of man or woman God is asking you to be? We gotta get stronger in character. We have to get stronger in courage. But friends, it's gonna take some time like this before we go. What is God asking you to do? Who's he asking you to be? I'm gonna ask you to stand and we'll close in prayer and get you out of here. You can close your eyes and bow your heads. God, thank you so much for today. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for taking us right where we're at. God, right now, each and every one of us in the room, I believe, wants to take steps of faith in getting stronger in our character. While you're still praying, I just gotta share another thing with you. Maybe you're here today, and this whole message, you've, you've been wrestling with this feeling of, 
but I've already screwed up. I mean, last year I made mistakes, or the last decade of my life I've lost my character, my integrity, my values. I've, maybe you're here and you're going, I'm a mess. Well, can I just give you a little hope from the video that we just watched that God specializes in turning messes into a message of hope and redemption. You no longer have to be a slave to fear. You're a child of God. He takes you right where you're at. It's why we so confidently say around here, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done or what's been done to you, you're welcome right here with us. Because before God, we've all screwed up. And we need to know that God is a gracious God who forgives us and loves us and wants to move us forward. And so maybe that's you here this morning and you're going, God, I need you to forgive me. You can pray something like this, God, here I am. I understand that I, I have to get stronger in these areas in my life, but obviously I can't do it on my own. God, I need you. I need you to forgive me, and he does. And then you tell God, I need you to start walking with me every day, and he will. And you start trusting in this God factor and see what God does in your life. Last thought, God, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thanks so much for doing what you're doing in, through this church. God, I ask you to, to help us be strong in courage and character. Love you, God. Thank you so much. Amen. Hey, friends, week three and four are going to be great. Get back here. Bring somebody on your arms. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you guys later. Have a good one.